Well, we are starting a new series today that is entitled Identity, and we will talk more about that as we go into the sermon. I don't want to take away from the actual sermon time at this point. We're going to do a little old school Presbyterian today, and we're going to have an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. So if you would like to follow along, uh, we're going to be reading from Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. If you do not have a Bible, you can always look up at the screens. And then I'll tell you what the New Testament passage is after we finish Psalm 139. Again, this is God's word that says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And then our New Testament reading is from Acts 17 verses 24 through 28. If you want to know a little bit of the context, Paul is speaking to some people in Athens after he had seen some idols, and he was trying to tell them about the living and true God. And this is what he says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. Let me pray for us. God, we are thankful for Your Word. Please help us to understand it and not just understand uh, but to embrace it as truth, and not just a general truth, but a truth for us. And most of all, help us to see Jesus and who we want to be, who he wants us to be in him. And Holy Spirit, will you give us everything that we need so that we would be able to hear your word and respond with faith, repentance, and obedience. For your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one true God. Amen. In the uh, 1960s, there was a German-American psychologist who coined the phrase, 
identity crisis. His name was Eric Erickson. And yes, that is his real name. When Erickson was talking about identity crisis, an identity crisis, he was mainly talking about teenagers. During adolescence, there's that upheaval of who am I? Who am I in relation to my parents? Who am I in relation to other people? Who am I at all? And some teenagers really wrestle with that question deeply. And so he was talking about them. But what we found out since then is that there are plenty of adults who have identity crises as well. In fact, psychologists tell us that identity crises typically happen when there has been significant or sudden change in a person's life. Now let me ask you, have any of you experienced sudden or significant change in your lives recently? Maybe you're not having an identity crisis, but maybe you are. So this, this sermon goes out to all of you who are having an identity crisis. You know who you are, maybe. Let it sink in. It'll get there in a minute. Because, you know, identity crisis, know who you are. Okay, I see a few people get it. Tough crowd this morning, tough crowd. Be glad that I didn't tell the other joke that I was planning on telling. In all seriousness, we all have times when we don't understand ourselves, um, when we forget what we're really about. We all have times when we're confused about our worth, our purpose, when we can't really figure out what's most important to us, where we belong, what our future holds. And in one way or another, all of those issues are issues of identity. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks in this sermon series. Because in order to deal with any of those issues well, any of those questions well, we need to know who we really are. But if we're dealing with something as complicated as our identity, where do we start? Well, I see how some of you are already looking at the screen. You know what the screen says there. In order to know who we really are, we have to start with God. If we're really going to understand who we are, what we're about, what our purpose is, what a meaning of life is, where we're going, what we should be like, we have to start with God. Now, maybe you're thinking, wait a second, Stuart, I, I don't really think I have to start to God in order to know who I am. I mean... I live with me. I know who I am. And if that's your reaction, that's fine. Just, I would ask you to listen with an open mind to what we're about to say. And maybe there's even in this listening crowd, or even online, an atheist or an agnostic, who uh, the idea that you have to start with God seems ludicrous to you, to know who you are. And if that's the case, know that I am so glad that you are listening to this sermon. And I would love to sit down with you and have a cup of coffee or some other beverage and enjoy some time talking about why we believe what we believe. Uh, but I do want you to know that in this setting, in this place, this is a worship service where most of these people believe in God 
And we start with that. And we not only believe that God has, exists, but that he has revealed something about himself, that he's given us his truth in the Bible, and therefore we start there. So even if you don't share my beliefs, our beliefs on that, I would just ask that you listen and see the consistency in what we're saying. All right, so I just made the point that in order to know who we really are, we have to start with God. Okay, why is that? Well, think about Acts 17, what we just read a few minutes ago. Acts 17, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it. Okay, there is nothing in all the world, including you, including me, that does not owe its existence to God. And then verse uh, 26 of Acts 17 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. The human race came into existence and continues because of God. God is our creator, and if God is the one who created us, and he created everything else, then it makes sense to look to him if we really want to understand who we are, what we're about, where we're going, right? I mean, think about it. How many of you are Eagles fans? And I don't mean the team, the football team, I mean the band. Of course I mean the band. Okay. In 1977, the Eagles released their hit single, Hotel California. Now, I love that song. In fact, one of, one of my um, dreams is to learn how to play the entire guitar solo, which I started this year, not during the sabbatical, because I broke a string on my guitar and I haven't replaced it, but <laughs> that is one of my dreams. I love that song. But I remember hearing people talking about the song, about what it really means. Maybe some of you have heard this that some of the imagery in it is kind of demonic. And it's because what these people were saying was that the Eagles, they joined the Church of Satan that was founded by Anton LaVey in 1966. And the song is really about that. That you can check in, but you can never leave. That's supposedly one of the creeds of the Satanic Church. But when the eagles were asked, what does your song mean? They said it was about, and this is a quote, corruption, greed, and hedonism of the music industry in the 1970s. So let me ask you, who probably understands Hotel California better? People who are trying to interpret it through their own lenses making speculations about it and trying to connect things together or the people who actually wrote the song and performed the song. See what I'm saying? And in a similar way, it just makes sense. If we were created by God and everything else was created by God, then if we want to know who we are, what meaning there is in our lives, what's our purpose, uh, who we really are ultimately, rather than listening to the speculations of people around us who are just making it up as they go along, we really need to listen to God first. Amen? Amen. Oh, good, you're awake. <laughs> All right, so some of you may be tempted to think 
well, okay, Stuart, I'll buy it. God, maybe God created everything. And, but that was at the beginning. You know, maybe he just kind of created everything and then stepped back and, you know, let nature take its course. And while it may be good to look to God in some general way, he doesn't really know anything about me personally, me as an individual, me and my everyday life as I live it. Just generalities. That's all God really is good for, right? Let me introduce you to Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. David is writing the psalm, but he's writing about a universal experience for human beings. And here's what he says. For you, this is God, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And then in verses 15 and 16, he says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Now, some of you may go, what? In the depths of the earth? What's he talking about? Well, most Bible students understand that as a metaphor for the womb. The idea there being that it is a secretive place, a place where human eyes cannot see. But here's the thing that David understands. I may not be able to see into the womb. You may not be able to see into the womb. But God can. And he does. And not only that, God is active. Even in the womb. God is involved. You know, as I was thinking about this passage, I, I, I couldn't help but think about when I was growing up, my mom loved to um, knit and crochet and embroider. And night after night, she would sit and just work on that. And, and she was absorbed in her task. I mean, she gave keen attention to what she was doing to make sure she got it just right. And as I think about that, and I think about how my mom was knitting and crocheting and, and embroidering and how much attention she gave to something that really, in the long term, is not going to last, is not really that valuable, that God knit me together in my mother's womb, that he intricately wove who I am and you. God is not a disinterested creator. He is actively involved, profoundly involved in who you are. He meticulously knitted and wove us together to be the people we are. Your personality, your gifts, your abilities, your height, whether you have a big nose, whether you're losing your hair, all of those things, God knows and He's involved. And He knows us better than we know ourselves. And that's the reason why if we want to know who we really are, we have to start with God. 
It just makes sense. And a second part of this that we need to talk about from these passages is this. As the sovereign creator, and that's who God is, he is the sovereign creator of all things. As the sovereign creator of all things, God has established the foundations, the boundaries, and the trajectories of our lives. See, God didn't just create us and then let us go. He, as sovereign creator, He's established those foundations of our lives, the boundaries for our lives, and the trajectories of our lives. Look again at Acts 17, verses 24 and 25. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Now here we see God is Lord of heaven and earth. He's sovereign over all things. Verse 25, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind, every one of us, life and breath, and everything. You know that life you're living right now? That's God's life that He gave to you. That breath that you're breathing into your lungs, that's God's air. That's God's breath. And all the other stuff that you need to survive and thrive, your food, your clothing, whatever it might be, that's a gift from Him. He has set the foundations of our lives. He is the one who uh, forms the boundaries of what we can and can't do, as we see in verse 17, uh, sorry, chapter 17, verse 26. And He, that is God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. See, Paul says, look, the places where you live, the boundaries of where you live, how you live, all of that was established by God. And then in Psalm 139, Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I want you to think about this with me. Did any of you choose which era of history to be born? You're like, hey, I think the 20th century would be a great century, the 21st century, whichever place you were born. Did, did any of you choose the continent on which you were born or the nation or the town where you would be raised? Did any of you choose your birth parents? I know some of you are probably thinking, I wish I could have. <laughs> Did any of you choose the DNA that you received from your parents? Or the positives and, and negatives that come from that DNA? Uh, none of us chose any of these things. And for that matter, not one of us even chose to be human. Nobody asked me before I was born, hey, would you rather be a human, a bat, an apple, a rock, or a koala bear? You get to choose. Nobody asked me. I would have chose koala bear. <laughs> Obvious. No, God is in charge of all of that. God is the one who sets the foundations and the boundaries and even the trajectories 
Listen to Psalm 139, verse 16. David writes, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. Every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. God has set the boundaries of your very life. Not just your birth, but every day of your life even to the day of your death. God is sovereign over those things. And because God is sovereign over all creation and our creation and our formation and the boundaries of our lives and even the trajectories that we are able to take, that means we ought to look to Him, right? To know who we are. Think about this. If the sovereign creator is the one who defines us, then it makes sense to look to him to find out who we are. If the sovereign creator is the one who defines us, then it makes sense to look to him to know the meaning of life. If the sovereign creator is the one who defines us, then it makes sense to look to him to know our purpose in life. If the sovereign creator is the one who defines us, then it makes sense to look to him to know where we belong. If the sovereign creator is the one who defines us, then it makes sense to look to him to know our true worth. If the sovereign creator is the one who defines us, then it makes sense to look to him to know what the future holds for us. And if the sovereign creator is the one who defines who we are, then it makes sense for us to look to Him to know if we have to change in any way. Because we're not who we should be. In fact, that's our next point. God not only tells us who we actually are, He also defines who we are called be. This is an important part for us as a society, an important truth. God not only tells us who we actually are, he also defines who we are called to be. And again, this just makes sense. Since God created everything, including me, including you, including everyone, he has the absolute right to tell us how to live, how to interact with Him, how to interact with one another, what we are to see as valuable and important, what meaning there is in life, what, where we really belong, what kind of future we want for ourselves. And we see that even here in this passage, Acts 17, verses 26 through 27. From one man, every nation God made to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Why? Verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. But you know, here's the stark truth about us. Every single one of us knows that we are not what we are meant to be. 
Every single one of us. We may deny it to other people. We may even try to tell ourselves, I am enough, I'm fine, I don't need anything. But deep down we know something is missing. Deep down we know something is off. And unfortunately, even for those of us who are Christ followers, even though we know better, we would rather try to define ourselves by ourselves than have God define us. Yeah, I know that's a hard one to swallow, but it's true. As I was doing some research for this uh, sermon, I ran across a motivational speak, and I, speech, and I have to admit, when I first saw it, my first reaction was not negative. It was like, yeah, preach it, brother. I may not have said preach it, brother, but you know, I, I really liked it at first, and then it hit me, something's not right about this. Stuart, what, think about what you're preaching on Sunday morning. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's just a portion of the motivational speech. It starts off by him saying um, that there are people who are saying that you can't, he can't do something. And here's what he says. They do not define me. I define me. They do not set the standards. I set my own standards. They, can, they cannot impose limits on me. I have no limits. I alone decide who I will become. They can't stop me because I am unstoppable. They can't limit me because I am limitless. They can't define me because I am undefinable. They can't label me because I will rip those labels off. I decide who I will become and no one else. Now let me ask you, if you heard that in like maybe the why, wouldn't that get your motor running? Wouldn't you go, woohoo, yeah, that's right. No one can tell me who I am going to be. I am only the one who can tell me who I'm going to be. That's the air we breathe in this culture, in this society. And even as pastor, even as someone who's preaching this sermon, when I listened to part of that message, I, that, that speech, I had to say, a little part of me was like, I like this. I like it. First of all, because there's actually something true in it. Too often we listen to the voices of other people and let them define who we are when we really should be listening to God. But this person isn't listening to God. <laughs> this person is just saying, it's all about me. I get to choose. I get to define myself. No one else isn't more important than me. If God is our creator, that makes no sense. And folks, this is why we all need, I need, you need, everybody we know needs the truly good news of the identity-shaping grace of God in Christ. 
We all need this good news of an identity-shaping grace of God in Christ. Did you know that the gospel is not just a message of forgiveness of sins? It is that, but it is also an identity-shaper. Don't believe me? Read your Bible. It's all over the place. You can't can't go very many chapters in the New Testament where you haven't seen something where it says, you were once this, now you're this. Let me give you one example from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you. You hear the identity change? the identity shaping. This is who you once were, but that's not who you are anymore. You're this. You were washed. Your sins have been cleansed from you as far as the east is from the west. You were sanctified. You're set apart for God, and now you belong to Him. You were justified. You have been made right. Even though you still mess up and you still stumble, you have been made right with God so that you will be able to honor Him with your life. That's who you are if you believe in Jesus. That's who you are. This is the identity-shaping grace of God in action for those who trust in Christ Jesus. Now, Real quickly, maybe some of you are not believers. In fact, in a a room this size with this many people, it's likely there's some folks here who do not believe. And maybe you're thinking, okay, all that sounds great, Stuart, or whatever, but (laughs) I can't be made right with God. I mean, I can't be brought into his family. I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. I'm too far away from God. I'm too far away from the person that I should be. Remember what Acts 17, verse 27 says. One of the reasons God set boundaries and such in the lives of humans is that they should seek God. Verse seven, uh, chapter 17, verse 27. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, yet He is actually not far from each one of us. That's our God. He is not far from you. You may think that you're too far gone, but you are not. Because our God is a God who loves to save people who are lost. He loves to go after people who have lost their sense of identity, who don't know who they are anymore, who don't know what to believe, he loves to bring them into the family and say, this is who you are. And he's done that by sending Jesus, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He is not far from each one of us.
And all we have to do is believe that and trust that this Jesus will tell us who we are and who we are to be. Now, I know some of you really like action points. And some of you think, that's kind of dumb. I get it. If you are in the former category and you really like action points, this is for you. If you don't like the action points, they're still good for you. Okay? So if you're wondering, okay, what do I do with this? I I agree with all you're saying, but what do I do? Here's a couple of things. Just two real quick. First, I know this is going to sound weird, but follow the train of thought here. Pray. Pray that God would help you understand who you are and who he calls you to be. If it makes sense for us to go to our creator, because he's the one who created us, he's the one who knitted us in our mother's womb, he's the one who gave us our DNA and made us who we are, it makes sense for us to go, okay, God, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Teach me and tell me who I need to be because I want to be who you want me to be because you know what's better for me than I do. It's a good prayer for all of us. And then second, for the next few weeks, I would invite you to spend some time thinking every day about Psalm 139 and Acts 17. I will tell you, I did this this past week, just thinking about it every day, trying to memorize the passage, trying to think about it, trying to ask myself, what does this mean? How does, it, how does this affect me? And it's been life-changing in some ways. I know it seems funny to say this, but for most of my life, I have struggled with what they called you know, low self-esteem, thinking of myself in a way that I wasn't really what um, I thought I should be. And in some ways, that's true. But thinking about Psalm 139 was one of the things that really changed me to go, you know what? I am who I am because God made me this way. And yeah, I've got sin, I've got problems, I've got issues. But God's sovereign over those too. And he's using them for my good, and whether you know it or not, for your good too. Because we do this as a community. We do this life together. So those are two action points. I hope that you take those and move with them. I think they will be good for all of us. And in the meantime, let's look to God first and foremost. Let's look to Him first and foremost for our identity and seek to grow into the people He wants us to be in Christ. Let me pray that we'll be able to do that. Um, Father, will you please help us? We, we often get confused about who we are, who you want us to be. Help us. And Holy Spirit, fill us and empower us and give us what we really need so that we will be the people you want us to be. And, and that means for those of us who don't believe, cause us to believe. For those of us who believe but we have some unbelief, help us in our unbelief. For those of us who are going astray, help us to come back. For those of us who just need some encouragement, give us that encouragement today, Holy Spirit, that we would live a life that would really honor you, 
be good for this body and be good for this community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.